0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash northadelaide. i have got two Bible readings today, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. So we'll start in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36, through 32. Therefore, save the house of Israel, thus says the Lord. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act From all of your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk around among my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourself for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Our second reading comes from the New Testament, in Galatians 5, from 13, verse 13 towards, to the end. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you this morning at Online Church. I'm Simon, the lead pastor of City Light Church North Adelaide. I um, just want to Join with Ruth and Sam and the band and welcome you along. Uh, We are um, sort of in between two series right now. We've just wrapped up a series in the first eight chapters of Mark's Gospel where we've explored who Jesus is. We're about to start, as of next Sunday, a uh, 10-week series uh, in the Ten Commandments. We're calling it The Good Life. Um, It just so happens that this Sunday in the calendar, the church calendar, is Pentecost Sunday. That may mean nothing to you. Uh, We don't really roll with the liturgical or church calendar at City Light Church North Adelaide normally, Uh, but today happens to be Pentecost Sunday, the day where we celebrate as a church God's pouring out of the Holy Spirit uh, into the world onto his people. And I thought it'd be an opportunity for us to just spend a morning together, our time online, Uh, thinking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and how he, a member of the Trinity, um, impacts, changes our lives and changes the world. Um, So that's what we're doing today. Uh, We're going to be flicking around various Bible passages, so you may not need to sort of hang in one particular Bible passage. You might just want to note down where we go and, and chase them down a little bit later on. But uh, I'm not sure what you expect to happen uh, when we come to this part of our online church gathering or our our sort of more regular gatherings uh, where we open up God's word and study the word of God. I'm not sure whether you anticipate hearing good things or getting refreshment, being challenged. I'm not sure what you're looking for today, what you're hoping that God will say to you. Um, But before I pray and we open up the word, I'm just going to give you a moment to to bring to the Lord God your requests um, and in the quietness of your heart. Just, just come before him uh, and ask him to speak to you today. Um, bring to him the things that you need to perhaps be reminded of or need to know today. I'm going to give you just a little while and then I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Let's, um, let's spend some time in the quietness of our hearts. Father, we, we come to you this morning as people at different stages of different ages, uh, with different struggles and different joys. Uh, Please speak to each one of us as we need to hear from you this morning. Uh, Refresh us by your word, renew us by your spirit. We pray that by your spirit and through your word this morning we would hear, see and love Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, As we do begin this morning, I want to ask a question. I want to ask one question. How would you know that God's Spirit is at work in you? How would you know that God's Spirit is at work in you? It's an important question, but not always a question that's easy to speak about or easy to answer. Um, you, you can't see him, right? So it's not as, like, as though you can walk down O'Connell Street and you know, spot someone and say, Hey, wow, they've got a real holy glow. They've got the Spirit. Or actually, no, you're a bit dull. Perhaps you don't have the Spirit. Um, it's not as easy as that. So questions about the spirit uh, in your life, for many people, can actually be really difficult to answer. Um, But you know, we need to be able to answer it, Uh, not least because of what Jesus says in John chapter 3, Jesus picking up the language of Ezekiel chapter 36, which we had read just a bit earlier. Jesus says that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they've been born again by water and by the spirit. You need to know if God's spirit is in you, you really do. Um, a guy named Wolfhart Pannenberg, he was a German theologian, um, shared once his experience of God's work in his life by the Holy Spirit. Um, he said this, The single most important experience occurred in, my, in early January 1945, when I was 16 years old. On a lonely two-hour walk home from my piano lesson, seeing an otherwise ordinary sunset, I was suddenly flooded by light and absorbed in a sea of light which, although it did not extinguish the humble awareness of my finite existence overflowed the barriers that normally separate us from the surrounding world. I did not know at the time that January 6th was the day of my epiphany, nor did I realize that in that moment Jesus had claimed my life as a witness to the transfiguration of this world in the illuminating power and judgment of his glory. But there began a period of craving to understand the meaning of life, and since philosophy did not seem to offer the ultimate answers to such a quest, I finally decided to to probe the Christian tradition more seriously than I had considered worthwhile before. Wow, what an amazing experience. Sure, it's kind of flowery theologian language, but what an incredible work of God, bathed in light and and in some ways connected to something greater than him, produced this extraordinary awakening to God and a desire to know God and know the Lord Jesus Christ. But what if, like me, you haven't had an experience like wolf art? How do you recognise the spirit at work in you with certainty? The uh, Christian communities, right, of the 17th century in the US, in New England, wrestled with this issue. Um, they had a Puritan heritage that had placed a really high value on a conversion experience and a conversion story as a testimony to the work of the spirit in the life of a person. But after a few generations had passed and children and grandchildren began to grow up in the church, many of them didn't have like a dramatic conversion experience or story. Um, so people were a little bit perplexed, like how do we view these members of the church? One solution they came up with was uh, the halfway covenant um, done in Boston. So these young people grew up, um, confessed the faith, and they were allowed to be members of the church, but they weren't allowed to be voting members and they weren't allowed to participate in the Lord's Supper. The problem was, right, it was a little bit like they considered them half pregnant or had a half pregnant view of the spirit. Um, You know, if you don't get the idea, right? You can't be half pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. But that's the way it left these people, unclear. Did they have the Holy Spirit at work in them or not? Were they Christians? Were these people in the kingdom or not in the kingdom? And I don't know, perhaps that's you today. You're a little unsure how to speak about the Spirit's work in your life, a little unsure maybe if you're a member of God's kingdom. How do you know if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in you. Well, to answer that properly, right, we need to kind of step behind our kind of personal experiences and and see who the Holy Spirit is, God the Spirit. We need to understand the nature of the Spirit's work, what the Spirit does as a member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Well, He is, here it is, he is the self-effacing power of God. Pretty catchy title, right? He is the self-effacing power of God. We probably need to unpack that statement a little bit. That is, the Holy Spirit is entirely self-effacing. He points away from himself to the Father and to the Son for their glory, and he never seeks glory for himself. So the way the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit points to his humility and how he does this work of glorifying the Father and glorifying the Son. So if you do a little analysis of the New Testament, right, um, in the New Testament, he's called the Holy Spirit about 100 times. Um, He's known as the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God nearly 50 times. Now, here's the thing. It's interesting to note that in the New Testament, the New Testament never speaks of the Spirit as, you know, never speaks of the Father of the Spirit or the Jesus of the Spirit. They're never connected in that way, but the Spirit is. The Spirit doesn't act independently or act on his own behalf. He never seeks to have authority over, he places himself dependently under. And his goal is to glorify the Father and the Son, not by doing new work, but by reinforcing their work. So John chapter 14, verse 26, the Lord Jesus says, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. A chapter later, John 15, verse 26, Jesus says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. What's the Spirit doing? He's humbly, self-effacingly reinforcing what the Son has already done and what he's already said. Why? So that the Son, Jesus, would get the glory. Another chapter on in John's Gospel, chapter 16, Jesus says this, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Seeking glory for the Son. That's the pattern of the Spirit's work. But the remarkable thing is, right, even though the Spirit is sort of constantly deflecting to Jesus and to the Father, it doesn't diminish his power in any way, shape or form. I I don't know if you're familiar with the, the ancient creeds of the church, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. We don't really say them at North Adelaide at the moment, but the Nicene Creed talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. It affirms this. And we believe, the Nicene Creed says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son... And with the Father and the Son, he's worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. The Holy Spirit has power. He is the Lord, the giver of life. As Jesus puts it in John chapter 6, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. You see, he gives life because he is inseparably linked to the word. In the same way that breath is tied to speech, so in the Hebrew, the word ruach is the word for breath. It's also the word for wind. It's also the word for spirit. So in the same way you can't speak, I can't speak without exhaling air, the word doesn't act without the spirit. And the Holy Spirit, with the word, gives life. First of all, he has power. The Holy Spirit has power to give life in creation. So you turn right back to the very opening chapter of the Bible. The spirit is there. Um, God's breath, his ruach is hovering over the deep waters and then words come out and bam, life is created. Psalm 104 verse 30 says, when you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. You know, when we look out at the wonders of creation, But also the variety of human cultural expression and achievements, we see something of the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in creation, his life giving work. He has power to give life in creation. The Spirit has power to give new life in the new creation. Because what he does is he takes the power, sorry, the work of the Father and the work of the Son and powerfully applies it to individuals. But John Calvin points out a problem. He says this, As long as Christ remains outside of me, we are separated from him and all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race. That remains useless and of no value. See, To put it another way, right? It's great that Jesus Christ, you know, 2,000 years ago died for sin and rose again, crushing death, and now he enjoys the riches of glory. But I have no connection with him if I'm not in Christ. It's useless to me. You know, if I'm drowning, right, I don't need, need to know about the, the work of the lifesavers and what they could possibly do for me. I need a lifesaver when I'm at the beach and I'm caught in a rip. I need the lifesaver to come out and connect with me. And the Spirit has the power to bring new life by uniting sinners, making them believers and connecting them to Jesus and all that Jesus has achieved. And that's why Jesus in John 17 prays this. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. It's that sense of unity and being drawn together. That's what the Spirit does. It's the new life that Jesus spoke about that was necessary in John chapter 3, that we need to be born again. And yet, right, with all that power, The Holy Spirit still manages to be entirely humble, not seeking glory for himself. Um, Some have described the Holy Spirit and his work a little bit like a window. Um, so, you know, imagine a window and it's, you know, this light pouring in through the window and, you know, what, you're, what the idea of a window, right, is that you would look out through the window to what's beyond the window. I don't know, the beautiful view of the Adelaide Hills or the view in your front yard or your backyard, whatever it might be. The window is there so you would look out beyond the window. I don't know about you, I don't sit there kind of studying the architecture or the nature of the glass in the window. I... I it's the, we are the Holy Spirit's work is to not cause us to look at the window, but to look at what's beyond. Um, similarly, um, the Holy Spirit, you know, has been equated to it's, it's a bit like you know stage lighting at a concert. So one day in the future, sometime, you and I will be allowed to go back to the festival theatre, back to the brand new Her Majesty's Theatre to watch a show. Um, when we go to a show, we. Well, at least I don't. I don't go there and I'm kind of looking at the lighting rig and how amazing the lighting rig is or, oh, look at that spotlight up there. No, like I'm drawn to what's on the stage, what the light is illuminating. I don't go to stare at the lights or go to see the concert. The Holy Spirit is there to illuminate Jesus, glorify Jesus. Father. You know, but with all his power, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be noticed. He wants the Son to be seen and the Father to be glorified. And I think this is a wonderfully subversive message, isn't it, in our current day? Having power but not wanting attention. Uh, When Children were growing up, you know, in the past. Children, you know, you'd say to children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And kids would say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a nurse, whatever it might be. And, you know, you'd ask them, you know, do you want to be famous? Oh, yeah, maybe I want to be famous one day. Now you ask kids, what do they want to be? They want to be famous just straight away. I just want to be famous. That's what kids are saying. That's our instinct, isn't it? Chase power in order for attention to be drawn to ourselves. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He has power. He doesn't want the attention. And I think we would do well to learn from the Holy Spirit. Power can go with humility. Humility, don't misunderstand. It's not pretending to be less than you are. That's that stupid sort of false humility that people can see straight through. Humility is knowing your importance, but treating other people as their as though their needs trump yours. That's humility putting others, even if they are, in some senses of the word, less important than you, putting their concerns before your own priority list. That's, that's humility. You see, we honour the Father by coming in prayer directly to him, acknowledging that he is in control and he is the one who provides. We honour Jesus the Son by trusting him and talking about him with others We honour the self-effacing power of the Holy Spirit by heaping praise on Jesus and the Father because that's what he wants. So back to the original question, how do you know that the Spirit is at work in you? How do you know that God's Holy Spirit is alive in you? Answer, you join in his work. You join in his work. If you self-effacingly acknowledge Jesus Christ and his power at work in your life, then I think you've got clear signs that you've been united to him and the Spirit is at work. Today, for the rest of the time together, I just want to draw your attention to to three signs of experiencing the Holy Spirit, three of the great works that the Holy Spirit does, and if a sign that the Spirit is at work in us is that we join in his work, then they'll be evident in our lives too. The three signs, first, creating fellowship, Second, illuminating Jesus. Thirdly, sanctifying sinners. Not overly catchy titles, but you'll see, hopefully they'll make sense. Firstly then, creating fellowship. First, the work of the Holy Spirit is to unite us to the Godhead, Father, Son and Spirit and to to each other and therefore create fellowship. You know, what we are is close to God, the Father, the Son and the Spirit. So we are, sorry, let me say that again. We are as close to God as the Father, Son and Spirit are to each other. We are as close to God as the Father, Son and Spirit are to each other. As Jesus said regarding the spirit of truth in John 14, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I find it utterly remarkable, right, that the spirit would move into renovators' delights like you and me, you know, people who are inclined to immorality and impurity and idolatry and anger and lust and greed and jealousy and envy and, you know, you can complete the list, and yet still gives us uninhibited fellowship with God. He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't send a stunt double. He doesn't send a movie extra. He personally By his spirit dwells in us. There are no barriers because God himself slums it. He makes us children. Romans chapter 8. And if we had less of a sense of entitlement, I think we'd be shocked and stunned by that act of inclusion. I love the story of the young boy, uh, about five years old, who once strode into the White House just off Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. You know, that White House, the symbol of you know, power and control, and he went past the guards, he went through every layer of security, just walking through, he went to the door of the Oval Office, he opened it, went straight into the Oval Office door, and to the desk and sat on the lap of the President. It's the story of John F. Kennedy Jr. and how he would just sort of climb onto his dad's lap, and you know what, that's a picture of us and our unlimited access to our Heavenly Father because of the work of the Spirit. And the Spirit not only draws us into fellowship with the living God, but also to fellowship with each other. Our fellowship is on the same basis as God's fellowship. I don't know, sometimes sometimes when I think of that word kind of fellowship, it sounds like a bit of a creepy Christianese kind of word, and sometimes I think, you know, fellowship, that's that sort of airy, fairy kind of intangible, hard to kind of pin down kind of thing that we have between each other. But it's not. God's fellowship is actually based on mutual acts of love. The way the father serves the son, that's their fellowship. The way they love each other in practice. Fellowship with God and with us is not a mystical experience. It's, it's, it's concrete acts of love. This is how Jesus puts it. John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. I mean, how are we going to realize it? Jesus goes on. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be beloved by, loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. See, it's God's active presence in us that brings us into closer fellowship with each other. It's in obedience to Jesus' commands in our actions that we know we have fellowship, not in a mystical kind of experience, And that draws us into fellowship with one another in action, across culture, across ages, across status, beyond geography. We are not connected mystically, but through acts of love and care. I don't know, think of missionaries you might support. We, the Jackson Five, we support a few missionaries around the world. We, you don't have a mystical relationship with them, even though they might be a long way away. Because if you pray for them, if you email them, if you send care packages of, I don't know, we send Vegemite and Tim Tams and books and things like that, if you, you, if you do those things, you have fellowship with them through the acts of love that you do. And we get the joy of seeing the work of the Spirit all the time, um, and we had this experience just a couple of months ago on Marion Place where we live. Um, we, uh, we got a knock at the door and uh, at the door was Maggie Cowald um, standing there with a, a homemade chicken pie and a bottle of Sauve Blanc. And I looked across the road and there was this dodgy black car and two beautiful faces were pointing out of the car, Tom Cowald and Christine Shedd. Um, a concrete act of love. A sign of our fellowship, I think a sign of the Spirit's work, uniting us, practical love, that's fellowship. Acts of love, signs of the Spirit at work among us. And that fellowship, right, is created by the second feature, the illumination of Jesus. The illuminating of Jesus. The Spirit enabling you to be the self-effacing and person and 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 the spirits work at kind of helping you to cease thinking that you're the lord but that actually jesus is the lord of your life it's like a light being switched on that's the illumination when we're empowered to love god with all our heart soul mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves i mean i don't know think back to the youth group perhaps that you grew up in why was it that the youth group that you went to Um, all the people that you hung out with on that Friday night or something like that, um, they all heard the same talks that you heard, but some of them today are not Christians. It's not simply an intellectual issue. I think it's more of a moral and, and a spiritual one. See, Romans 1 tells us that naturally we want to suppress the truth by our deeds of wickedness. John 3 says that we prefer to be in darkness, not the light. Why? Because if you come into the light, you get seen, you get exposed. So we prefer to hide those things that bring us shame and embarrassment so people keep away from the true light who came into the world. What we need is the Spirit's illuminating work to to flick on the light so that we see the light of Jesus and the wonder of him and allow ourselves even to be exposed in that way. You know, Augustine St. Augustine said that um, you can't know things without a desire for things. That is, you've got to love stuff if you're going to kind of investigate and explore things. If you don't love it, you won't explore it any further. See, we can't hear God's word rightly unless, the, first of all, the spirit of God puts a love for Jesus into our hearts. Because the word and the spirit are never separated. I can't acknowledge Jesus without the Spirit enabling me to do that. And that needs to happen to each one of us personally. The uh, Sydney Morning Herald a few years ago reported that among Australians who go to church, 21% of Australians read their Bible daily, 14% of Christians open it a few times a week, 6% once per week. I'm not going to ask you to comment below in the YouTube comments or the Facebook comments about, you know, which category you fit into, but at least you're in the 6%, right? Because hopefully you've opened your Bible at online church today. Shoot for 14% by opening it again tomorrow. Have a crack. Now, obviously, I am pro, like, read your Bible more. But if it's just about improving stats, I'm not interested. It's not a mechanical exercise. Reading the Word is a relational exercise. Before we come to the word, we need to ask for God's spirit to work in our hearts and our minds to comfort us, to discomfort us, to uplift us, to refresh us, to transform us. How do you know the spirit is at work in you? Well, if you can call Jesus your Lord, and if you want to get to know him better and love him, if the spotlight of your life is on Jesus, not on you, then I think that's evidence that the spirit of God is at work in you. And the third and final work to look for is sanctifying sinners. The Spirit, his work is to create fellowship. His work is to illuminate Jesus. And thirdly, his work is sanctifying sinners. Now, sanctifying, that is like an uber, uber religious word. It just means to set aside for something special, for a special purpose. In terms of the Spirit's work, the Spirit sets us aside for the purpose of living out the truth that Jesus is the Lord. So the spirit inside us lets us do the Lord's work. That is loving other people. You know, and occasionally, right, when we see the Spirit at work, we see the Spirit at work in spectacular endowments of power. Um, I don't know, I think of in the Bible of Samson. Um, Hopefully you know the story of Samson, Judges 14. You can read that later on. He was filled with the Spirit, and he brings this huge building down in order to deliver the people of God. But often it's the spectacular work of breaking... But more often, sorry, it's more the spectacular work of breaking down your and my inclination to sin, so that we can actually bear fruit of another pers- of an other person centered life. Paul in Galatians five puts it this way: "You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not to use your freedom to indulge the flesh." Rather, serve one another humbly in love. for the, the, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Later on in Galatians 5, Paul goes on to mention the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, real spirituality, real signs of the Spirit at work in our lives is that work of putting to death those selfish and self-centred things of the flesh. We are actually free and empowered by the Spirit to love people and to love God in the way that he actually made us to be. Now, that's the time that Ezekiel, the prophet who we heard from earlier, kind of got a glimpse of, a time when God's people would be cleansed of sin um, you know, and all their uncleanness would be washed away and God would put in them a new heart and a new spirit where they would actually want to do what God wants. That's the Spirit at work. There are great stories of people who were set aside and were totally gripped by what it meant to live out that reality. There are great stories of missionaries that I love to read. Um, One of them is Alexander Mackay. Um, He was an Australian guy who went to Uganda as a missionary. And he lived by this principle. If um, If Christianity is worth anything, then it is worth everything. If Christianity is worth anything... It is worth everything. He got the point of sanctification. Holiness um, is that offer um, that I remember in a song that I used to sing, you know, take my life, myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. You know, and I could tell you about Andrew McKay's life, it's spectacular. I'm not going to do that today at online church. Because I want to tell you about a friend of mine. I'm um, someone who hasn't been to Uganda as a great missionary. But a Christian woman named Jen um, lives in our city and she shared with me um, once about when she'd invited her unbelieving neighbours over for dinner one night. Um, After a night where they dined really well, they'd had some nice wine, um, they, they talked at length about which schools they went to because that's what you do in Adelaide. Um, they talked also about mortgages and property prices as well. That's what you do in Adelaide. At one point, um, my friend Jen got a little bit sheepish because uh, her daughter came running in and one of the neighbours asked her, what's her favourite thing? And her daughter said, Jesus. And she thought, oh my gosh, they're going to think we're like crazy kind of nutbag Christians. But, but it got her thinking. Jen was sort of thinking, was she trying to be like her neighbours in order to win them over to the Lord Jesus? Or was she just trying to be like her neighbours so she could just sort of fit in? It's it's the question, isn't it, of practical holiness, of being set apart by God's Spirit for a purpose. Let me share with you four of her reflections. Perhaps they might help you recognise the Spirit's work in your life. Four reflections. First, she said, Maybe the main application point of Paul being all things to all people, to win some, for me, isn't me trying to look and sound more like my neighbours when we sit around the table talking. Maybe it's simply about overcoming the preferences and prejudices that would stop me sitting around the table with them at all. Second, Maybe I've been hiding behind all things to all people as an excuse for not obeying, let your light shine before others. Maybe, thirdly, I should focus a bit more on having dinner with the neighbours more often and focus a little bit less on trying to not not look like the Flanders family when I do. And fourthly, maybe I should pay a bit more attention to loving my neighbours and a bit less attention to looking like them. I mean, that striving to be different. Wrestling with those kind of questions. I reckon Jen most definitely has the Spirit of God at work in her. Sanctifying her. Do you have the Spirit? Jesus said, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again of water and the Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you for the humility of the Spirit. Father, make us make us more like the Spirit. Not using our power to draw attention to ourselves, but using all that we have to humbly serve others and also to do what we can in the power of the Spirit to make Jesus look good, and, Father, to bring you glory. Father, may we be people who are shaped and, and reshaped by the Holy Spirit, pointing always to Jesus and to you. Father, I pray this morning for those of us here listening in who aren't certain if they have the Spirit. Father, I pray that you would bring about in them a, a great assurance, work in these people powerfully, that they would know you and that they would know that they have a place in your kingdom. Father, help us to honour the Spirit by joining in with the work that he is doing, by creating fellowship, showing practical love, by illuminating Jesus, growing in our own understanding and love of Jesus and pointing others to him. And Father, we pray also that you'd help us see with that great work of sanctification, keep changing us to be more like Jesus by your Spirit, putting to death the things of the flesh, living for Jesus more. And that as we do that, people would notice something different about us, ask us questions and give us opportunities to share our faith in Christ. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide visit us at citylight.church northadelaide.